I think the advice would be to stop trying to fit in. You don't fit in. You're never going to fit in and celebrate that fact. If you're a person who's heard the word no from a boss, an ex, a team that cut you, a job market that didn't want you, an accident or diagnosis that left you debilitated and depressed, or felt paralyzed by any setback that you just weren't willing to accept, this is the show for you. Because it'll teach you what my dad always taught me, that failure is just opportunity in disguise. This is Matthew Del Negro, and you're listening to 10,000 No's. Welcome back. Thank you for being here. I am pumped about today's episode. Got a guest I have been back and forth with for over a year, I believe, because she is just so busy, in demand, around the globe, promoting her best-selling book, Everything is Figureoutable, helping entrepreneurs with her online empire, B-School, you name it, she's doing it. If you get down on yourself because you can't focus or commit to one thing, or you feel like you're failing when it comes to all the advice the gurus are telling you that you need to be doing, today's conversation with Marie Forleo is for you. Oprah calls Marie the thought leader of the next generation. Her mantra, as well as her New York Times bestselling book, is everything is figureoutable. And figure it out is exactly what she's done as a bartender, a Wall Streeter, one of the first life coaches, one of the first Nike elite dance athletes, the creator and host of the award-winning Marie TV with an audience that spans over 195 countries. She used to be down on herself, feel less than, because she couldn't focus on one career. But then, in typical 10,000 nose fashion, she reframed and coined the term multi-passionate entrepreneur, leaned into her strengths, stopped apologizing for the gifts she was born with, and just basically crushed it in pretty much everything she touched. Marie Forleo is going to tell you why everything is figureoutable. But first, a word from our sponsor. I was on our website recently looking at the show description I wrote before I even launched this podcast. And one of the things I wrote was, I've learned that the people you think have got it made put their pants on one leg at a time, just like you and me. And I think that still holds true after all of these interviews. The thing I didn't say back then was, they also poop just like you and me. Now, it may sound crass to talk about poop on a podcast, but it can be a real problem for marriages, relationships with your kids, a new budding romance. Just like my guests, everything is going well. You're progressing so nicely in the household or in the relationship. And then, boom, you hit the bathroom, the odor hits the house, and you go back about five or six steps. Really not good. What are you going to do? Might I suggest poopery? All you got to do, spray the bowl before you go. A layer of essential oils traps bathroom odor before it begins. Such a simple concept, and it works. They guarantee it. But honestly, you can ask my wife and kids. There's a very good chance I would not be allowed back in my house if it were not for poopery. But here's how you benefit because they're supporting our podcast. Just because you're part of the 10,000 Nose Tribe, next time you have an order of $25 or more from poopery.com, you get 15% off if you use the code DELNEGRO15 at checkout. That's DELNEGRO15. Poopery will change your life. Honestly, try it. You will truly be able to say, my poop doesn't stink. All right. If you are one of the many lovers of 10,000 No's and would consider taking a few minutes to rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts, it is greatly appreciated. Helps this content get into as many earbuds as possible. I'm going to shout out Jim O'Callaghan, who left a recent review. 
Just started listening to the podcast, began with the Adrian Haslett episode because I follow her on Instagram and she's amazing. Honestly, that's why I began listening. But then I listened to a second episode the following week, Take Action Now, Course Correct Later. I was both laughing hysterically and getting fired up practically at the same time. I'm now hooked and will be binge listening over the next few weeks. Jim, thank you on so many levels. One, that helps others take a chance and listen when they're scrolling through and realize that our content is indeed useful and entertaining. And two, it gives us a pump up. That Take Action Now episode was one of our new mini Monday solos and getting that reaction encourages us. Same thing with all the great emails we've received from people on our mailing list. If you want to receive our short Monday Morsels email, just go to 10,000knows.com, scroll down, fill out the form, and you're in. But for now, let's give you what you came here for, the great Marie Forleo. I got your book from your people a while ago, and I read it and like, dog-eared pretty much every page, underlined stuff. And that book is sitting in the apartment I was subletting doing my TV show in New York because I had to like scoop all my stuff out and, and get out of there. And I'm back with my family. So in a way, I kind of, I'm bummed. And I'm also, I love it because my, my like my impression of you is just this bundle of energy and and aliveness and you came to me through Susie Batiste who is also so alive so I really don't care I've seen you speak I've seen all this stuff I don't care if you tell me I don't want to hear the same stories I just want to rap with you because I think you are awesome (laughs) (laughs) thank you yeah Yeah. we can talk about whatever you want to talk about and I really appreciate you reading the book yeah everything is figure outable it was a labor of love and um, I think the biggest compliment that I've heard is that people feel like they hear my voice in there, which, as you know, it's challenging as a writer. You get to speak all if you're a performer, you do anything where you're talking all the time to be able to translate that onto a static page. Um, so thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. No, no. I got your voice. I feel like I got your mom. Like your mom sounds awesome. Like that. And now it's like I've read it so long ago that I just remember being like, there was something with like, with the, the, uh, the little radio and, and like yeah. your mom putting together the radio and that, and kind of how you got your philosophy from her, but just, just tell us like you, you know, I want to say like Jersey girl, I'm like an almost Jersey guy went to the, you, you uh-huh. have this just energy of get it done and let us tell everybody a little bit about your kind of, you know, the origin of you just kind of growing up and what your mom meant to you and how that, that kind of shaped you really. Yeah. I mean, the the story that underpins the philosophy of everything is figure outable is a fun one. So my mom is this character. She's incredible. She is about 5'3". She looks like June Cleaver. She's got the tenacity of a bulldog and she curses like a truck driver. So she actually grew up in the projects of Newark, New Jersey to two alcoholic parents. And she really learned by necessity how to stretch a dollar bill around the block, right? It's my mom's kind of roots. And so as a kid, one of my my favorite memories with my mom was being in New Jersey on Sundays, sitting at the kitchen table together, clipping out coupons because she loved teaching me all the different ways that our family could save money. And then one of the other things she loved, she taught me about this. She's like, look, you can buy all these things and these brands will send you cool free stuff like cooking utensils or recipe books if you save up your proofs of purchase. And I remember just being like, oh my God, this is amazing. 
So one of my mom's favorite, most prized possessions was this tiny little transistor radio that she got from Tropicana Orange Juice for free. So it's shaped like an orange, has this red and white straw sticking out of the side, which was the antenna. And she took this thing everywhere she went. And so my mom's one of those humans who's like always busy, right? She's always doing something. So I knew as a kid, the way to find my mom somewhere around the house or the yard was to listen for the sound of this tinny little radio. So one day I remember coming home from school and I'm walking home and I hear this radio blaring off in the distance, right? I hear the orange. And as I get closer, it was a strange orientation. The music was coming up from above. And I look up and I see my mom perched precariously on the roof of our two-story house with her little orange sitting next to her butt. And I was like, mom, (laughs) are you okay? What are you doing up there? And she yells down. She's like, Re, I'm fine. The roof had a leak. I called the roofer. He said, it's going to be at least 500 bucks. I said, screw that. I'm doing it myself. So that's mom. Another day I, uh, I came home from school and I hear the little radio and it's like blaring from the back of the house. So I walk to the back of the house. Turns out my mom's in the bathroom, push open the bathroom door. There is dust particles in the air. There's pipes sticking out of the wall. It looked like a friggin' explosion went off power tools on the floor. I was like, mom, what happened? What's going on? And she's like, oh, Ray, it's fine. You know, the bathroom tiles had some cracks in it and I didn't want the bathroom to get moldy. So I'm retiling the entire bathroom. Now, Matthew, you got to get, this is the eighties, right? This is a pre-internet, pre-YouTube, pre-Google kind of world. And my mom's high school educated. So One day I'm coming home from school and it was the fall in New Jersey and it was dark out already. So it was a little creepy. And as I approach the house, it's totally pitch black and silent, which for an Italian American home, not a good sign. I'm already thinking to myself, I got this pit in my stomach. I'm like, where's my mom? Where's the sound of the radio? So I start tiptoeing through the house. Same thing, nothing, pitch black. Now I'm really getting nervous. Then I start hearing these little clicks and clacks coming from the kitchen and I follow that sound and I see my mom hunched over the kitchen table, which looked like an operating room. It had screwdrivers and electrical tape and in like a dozen pieces was a completely dismantled Tropicana orange radio. And I was like, oh. Mom, that's your favorite thing. What happened? Is it broke? And she's like, oh, Ray, no big deal. She's like, the antenna was busted and the tuner dial was a little off. So I'm just fixing it. And Matthew, I stood there like watching her work her her magic, which I've always done. And then I thought to ask the question I should have always asked, which was this. Hey, mom, how do you know how to do so many different things that you've never done before, but nobody's showing you how to do it? And she puts down her screwdriver and she cocks her head to the side and she's like, Ray, What are you talking about? This is no big deal. Nothing in life is that complicated. You can do anything you set your mind to. If you just roll up your sleeves, you get in there and you do it. Everything is figure outable. And I was like, whoa, like that phrase just kind of washed over me. And I swear to God, it's like a little seed that was planted. And it's been the single most powerful driving force in my life. I mean, it got me through abusive relationships in high school. It helped me get myself through college, get into classes that I really wanted to get in. After I graduated, it helped me get every job I've ever had. I used to sell glow sticks at mega clubs in New York City. I worked on Wall Street on the New York Stock Exchange, worked in magazine publishing. I've taught hip hop. I've taught dance classes. That's what I love. That's what I love when I read the book. I'm like, holy crap. Like, so that's where I I think I really, you know, when you're reading a book and you, you know, you get excited. I've been on the other end of this sometimes, but I, I, when I'm on the, the, the end of it where I'm the guy 
reading and I'm like, oh my God, I got I got to talk. I got to talk to her. Like I feel, that's where I really hooked in with you was this, this thing. And I'll get to where you, where you got to later, where you kind of flip something around. But this thing of like, it's a good thing and it's a bad thing. Cause I have that same feeling of everything is figure outable, which has sometimes sent me down a rabbit hole to try to figure down, figure out these things that sure I can figure them out, but like at yes. what cost, like it took yes. me a, 3000 years to get there. And like, what was the payoff? And I think, you know, when I saw like when I, when I kind of started to see it, because before I, I got into the book, I didn't really know all everything about you. And when I'm like, Oh my God. So she's like, she's dancing, she's MTV. She did this. She's wall street. And, and, and what you did, and I'd love for you to talk to people about that because I think this would kind of mesh with my listeners, which is you had this thing where you're like, you wanted to do all these things. Yes. And everybody says you got to do one thing. And at a certain point you had, tell us about like how you flipped that in your head from feeling guilty and bad about yourself for wanting to do all these things to flipping it around. Just give us a little of that. So I remember there was a point when I had started my coaching business at the ripe old age of 23 and I was terribly insecure. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I was going all on passion. And I remember reading all these success books at the time because I wanted to be successful, right? I was working really hard. And I remember struggling around the simple question that we humans ask each other all the time. What do you do for a living? I hated giving one answer because it never felt accurate, right? So me saying, I'm a life coach. First of all, it felt so friggin' cheesy. I didn't like it. And it (laughs) felt narrow and limiting. And I was like, why can't I answer this simple question? What's wrong with me? And when I looked deeper at that, here was the truth. I wasn't just a coach. I was also really passionate about business and marketing in this new world of digital business. And I was also really passionate about fitness and dance. And I had started actually moving in that direction as a part of my career. So these simple one-line answers to like, what do you do for a living? Which people, by the way, I was bartending. That's how I was paying my bills at that time while I was figuring out my coaching practice. You know, they would say, so what do you do? Do you Are you an actress when you're not bartending? And I was like, no, actually I'm not. I'm an entrepreneur. And then I would go down this whole thing, but that always felt so crappy to me. And I remember all the success books I read were like, you have to pick one thing and choose one thing and be very, very good at it for decades. And then you will be successful. And I was just like, God, that sucks. And it doesn't feel right. And I remember understanding the validity of that advice, but also recognizing that I didn't fit with that advice. Like at that point in my life, it wasn't applicable to me. How old were you at that point, Marie? I was probably around 24, 25. That's pretty cool that you had that instinct and that self-knowledge and self-possession to, you know, figure that out at that point. Yeah. Well, it was, it was like a beginning of an awareness amid a lot of tears and frustration and feeling so broken and feeling like I didn't fit into societies. Like so many of my friends, they were like lawyers or accountants Do you know, or like a traditional, and they were starting to have real adult lives and some of them were getting married and like starting to look for a home. And here I was like, I can't even figure out what the hell to call myself, but I'm a really hard, it was like nothing made sense. Right. And I was like, God, why can't, what's wrong with me? And so I got this gift. I call it a gift from the career gods. It's like, sometimes things just appear in what I call my mental theater. It's like either a phrase or an image or something, and it saves me. And I remember, um, one day someone asked me, you know, so what do 
you do for a living? And out of my mouth popped this. I said, I am a multi-passionate entrepreneur. Who the hell knows what that means? <laughs> no one, right? Like, it's like, where did that come from? I don't know, but it made me feel so different. And they said, well, what is that? And I was like, well, let me tell you. So, you know, I'm bartending at this restaurant right now, but I also have this coaching practice. And by the way, I'm teaching this hip hop class on Friday nights and it's killer. And I'm doing a JLo workshop in two weeks. Like it gave me a new context through which to see myself. And that gave me a new level of confidence to communicate the fullness of who I am. Because I just didn't fit into a conventional box. And I think that there's many of us like this. Like Josh, my partner, right? He knew that he wanted to be an actor since like when he popped out. Like he knew since he was a kid that this was his path. And bless them. There's so many people like that. I want to be a writer. I want to be a doctor. Like they just come out knowing. I am not like that. And there are many of us who have all of these different ideas, but how society has set us up is like, well, what do you want to be, little girl, when you grow up? And you're supposed to figure that out at 18 and then be that for the rest of it. It was like, no, that's not how many of us are built. So anyone who's listening who feels uh, like I did, or perhaps even like, uh, you know, some of us feel right now where you're struggling, like you're like, I don't fit into society's definition of how a human is supposed to be. Feel free to borrow a multi-passionate entrepreneur or something like that, just to give yourself a new context to be all of you. Like I'm a very extra person. I'm extra all over. And yeah. my life started really working and my career when I stopped trying to not be extra. Yeah. That's what I got from you was just like this, you know, as, and I've, I've spoken to Josh about some of this, but, but this kind of, you know, as actors, it's, it's always, I think it all boils down to most, most bad acting comes from this thought that we're not enough. And when you tell me that, I feel like you kind of, for whatever reason at that time, a dime dropped and all of a sudden you were like, oh, I am enough. Like, I'm going to stop shaming myself for who I just naturally am. And I'm actually just going to be like, this is who I am. And, and, and personally, I had a similar experience way later and it was with, it was with this podcast where, mm-hmm. and I kind of want to ask you about that because you said before, you're like, you know, life coach is cheesy at when you first started saying it, that's what I've had. And I, and I'm still going through this, but I think I've kind of, you know, taken a leap. When I started this podcast, I was like, I'm an actor, but I'm this like podcaster. And it's kind of like a motivational podcast. It's like, are you are you a mini Tony Robbins? Are you still an actor (laughs) or are you like, what the hell are you? You know, like, and and, and it's, so I think that's where I kind of hooked into you was that feeling of like, I I realized 10,000 no's. I've realized that the most of the no's have come from within because Mm -hmm. I've judged myself and I'm like, is it cheesy? Like, I don't want to be salesy and that's not going to look cool for me as an actor. Like people are going to be like, what is he doing? Oh, he's going to ask me to be on this show. I just had all these crazy hangups that have since I've been blown away when people, the the biggest eye opener, and I want to hear it for you. For me, the biggest eye opener was like people that I was maybe afraid of how they would think of me if I did a podcast or if I did something kind of outside of the normal path of an actor. Those very people came to me and said, like, can I be on the show? And I'm like, whoa, that was my mind was blown. So I want to hear that for you. Like, how'd you go? transition from like, oh, life coaching is kind of cheesy. Like my friends and family will probably make fun of me to Mm -hmm. to like this is what I do. And now people are coming out of the woodworks. Like, you know, Marie, how do you do this? What do you do? You know what I mean? What, how did that go down? Like, was it bumpy? 
Absolutely. I mean, I still rarely have a good society approved answer when someone asks me what I do. I'll just like, Hey, do you want to go check out my show? Like I just literally, depending on who's in front of me, I always have a different answer. So in terms of how I navigated that whole thing, I stopped as much as humanly possible, not perfect at this, but worrying about who I was and how I was showing up in the world and just wanted to be of service. So if, you know, I had a conversation with someone, it was like, well, tell me about what you do. And then if they started talking about their business, I'd say, oh my goodness, have you heard of X, Y, or Z? Or, oh, I have a resource for you. Or, oh, you know, I actually did an episode. What's an episode? Oh, I have this show. And I kind of ease into it in different ways. So the, the less attention I have on me, and how I am presenting myself to the world, the easier things get. Then I can just stay in creation mode. Then I can just stay in being of service. Then I'm not taking anything too seriously. You know, and I'm a person who doesn't take, I take my work seriously because I want to do a really good job and I'm committed to that, but I don't take myself too seriously. And so the more I have my attention on just being of service and doing the acts of creation, the less I even have to navigate all the bullshit in my head. Right, right. And that's, and that, is also another like acting 101. It's like when you're focused on yourself, it's not going to be very good when you're listening yeah. <laughs> and actually paying attention to your scene partner. It's going to be yes. great. And that's when the scene will sing. And, and well, I'll tell you this. Can yeah. I share this? Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you, but no. it was like, I had another version of this. It was like the next evolution, right? It's almost as if our um, existences are these ever unfolding video games where we're like, oh, we've kind of conquered one level and now we're going to get to the next level. So when I was writing Everything is Figure Outable, and then when it was done and we were getting into the phase of, okay, what are we going to do to celebrate the launch? How are we going to do this from a marketing and promotion aspect? Because I believe so deeply in the message and I want to get it in as many hands as possible. And an idea came to me again. I have these things that come in my mental theater. Don't predict them. They usually happen either in the shower or during some exercise session. And here's what it was. What if a Beyonce concert and a Ted talk had a baby and then threw a block party? That's what I want to do for my book launch. So I rolled that line out to my publisher who they, it was just like basically crickets and silence, just what did she just say? And I had this vision of like, I literally want to get on a huge stage. We will have backup dancers. We will have choreography. I will do choreography. I will speak. There will be video intermissions. People will dance. I'm like, literally the whole thing came into my mind. Now you have to get, I have never produced a concert before. I've never performed in a concert before. I'd never seen anything like this created before. So once again, I had that whole thing of like, wait, who does she think? What? Right? This whole thing happened. But I said, isn't this a great meta message? How am I going to figure out how to put on a concert to launch the book called Everything is Figure Outable and do this in a very tight time frame when everyone thinks I'm out of my mind bunkers? And so we figured that out last year. We sold tickets on Ticketmaster. We had a sold out Hammerstein ballroom. I had Beyonce's dancers. I had Missy Elliott's dancers. I'm telling you, it was the most fun and the biggest creative challenge of my career in so many ways. And if we ever get to a place where, you know, concerts and in-person things really make sense again, I will 100% do another one. Yeah, that is awesome. That's just like throwing yourself, you know, throwing yourself into it and, and rising to the occasion. I, I love it. And I saw some of your stuff on Instagram. I don't even know. I, mean, I feel like, I, could I have seen you in like 
were you in Japan or somewhere? <laughs> I feel like I saw you well, I had- somewhere around the world and you were dancing in the middle of the street. And I was like, what the hell is she doing? This is awesome. <laughs> was like, it yes. was like, a, it was was- like something out of a movie. I really, it was awesome. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. we had a, a great world tour. I was in the UK. I was all throughout the United States and also Australia. So we were in a couple of different places. Mm. And so, so back up for a second, because I, I also want, I want to hear other people to hear this and I want to hear from myself. You know, now it's like, okay, number one best-selling book, all of that stuff. It's like, oh, come on. You knew it was going to work out. But in the moment when you pitch that to the publishers and it's yes. crickets, do you go back to the girl that was only 18 or 20 or whatever it was, who's like bartending and not sure how to talk about, like, do you go back for, I mean, maybe you don't stay there, but do you kind of go back to that person and you're like, oh shit, I just, oh, wait, I'm getting found out. They know that I don't know what I'm talking about. Do you have that still, or is it just a flash and then you're beyond it? No, it's, it was more in the execution. So I have, because I've done so many different things now, I am so rooted in the fact somehow I'm going to figure it out. But to be really honest, I didn't know. I was like, oof, can I pull this off in terms of me being able to construct and perform for this like 90 minute thing that I have never trained for, have no idea how to put together. Like, is this going to make sense? Is it, you know, in in terms of a live performance, is it going to fall flat? So I had so much anxiety and I actually filmed the whole thing. So I did a vlog with the making of this particular experience and like talking into the camera when I was about to go into my first rehearsals and feeling so terrified that I wouldn't be able to learn the choreography. Do you know what I mean? Like all of that stuff. And then the stress of going like, and I still have to run my company and I still have to actually launch the traditional book in the traditional way. Like this is one night, right? So this is not even, this is just like one little thing. And like, why did I, why did I do this to myself? Like having all of that. So for anyone listening, who's ever taken on a project where you just throw yourself into it and you're kind of in the messy middle and you're like, why did I say yes to this? Like, why did I create this drama for myself? So I went down that road quite a bit. What was the answer to that question? Why you did it? So the answer to that question was that this was a huge stretch for me because it was a dream in my mind and in my heart. And I knew deep down it would be something extraordinary and that I would reach a new level of creative exploration if I could do this thing. Like the joy of that in and of itself was exciting. It wasn't about a financial return because in things like this, it's not about that. And um, in fact, it was actually more of an investment than anything else. But I said, you know, I'm only on the planet for so long. And I have this opportunity right now to bring something in my heart and in my mind to life that I have never seen before that brings me so much joy and happiness and that I think could actually embody the message of a book way better even, you know what I mean, than anything else traditional I could do. And I was like, this is fun. I'm going to be dead and who knows? I don't know. Hopefully not for a long time, but within a hundred years, likely, unless we have big medical breakthroughs that we can't even predict right now. But if everything goes as is, within a hundred years, I'm going to be powder. So fuck it. I should do it. We are supported by Poopery. If you got to go, but you don't want the whole house to know you just went, you know what I'm talking about. Come on, fess up. That's why we have Poopery. Simply spray the bowl before you go and a layer of essential oils traps bathroom odor before it begins. Sound crazy? Sure. But guess what? It works. In fact, 
they guarantee it. It's available in a variety of scents and sizes so that every bathroom is stocked. And now Poopery offers hand sanitizer too, a moisturizing blend of coconut and lavender that kills 99.9% of germs in 15 seconds. But it's not just about the bathroom odor. Here's why I love it and endorse it. Poopery liberates everyone from toxic thoughts and ingredients, not just the product, the company. That's their mantra. They do so much more for their community. 10% of profits are being donated to Texas charities and additional quantities are being donated to medical professionals in need. And now for 10,000 Nose listeners, you can use code DelNegro15 for 15% off your next order of $25 or more when you check out at poopery.com. Again, that code is DelNegro15. And now back to the show. Well, I was just thinking when you're saying that, how great, you know, and it's it's so present right now. Um, look, hopefully we're going to go back to some version of what it was pre-COVID, I think we will. But you think like, I don't know. I mean, say it never goes back to that. Like you did it. You got it. Yes. It's like, it's like, it, and, and I, I feel like I'm always saying to people like, it's not a dress rehearsal. Like this is, this is kind of it. And and if you think about it in that way, it's like, yeah, will you get, I mean, I don't know the answer. Will you get the opportunity to be, you know, to giving this one. live cut and have, I mean, yeah. right now Broadway shut down. Like, I don't know. So yes. you did it, you know, you got, you got it done. Um, question. You said the term next level and I had written this down, like, I don't know, 15 minutes ago, I just wrote next level. Um, the elephant in the room for me is something my producer wrote down. Like she was just like jotting stuff down. It was and uh, out of, out of many, many awesome things. The one that for me is like, oh, wow is Oprah has called her the thought leader of the next generation. So here's my question. That's pretty freaking huge. You've got to be aware that that's pretty freaking huge. And how does that, I don't know when that was said. I know, you know, I've seen you with Oprah on, there was something I listened to with you on Oprah. Like when that kind of, um, influx of energy and and approval and everything comes in from the external world. What does that do to you? How did that, how did that kind of shift you if it did for the better, for the worse? Did it get you nervous? Did it get you excited? Did it get you all of the above? Like what, walk us through that. Cause that's unique. That's not everybody's having her say that about them. Yeah. First of all, I have admired Oprah my entire life. I will continue to. I just think she is just a gift, right, to, for all of us that happen to be alive and who appreciate inspiration and appreciate what she has done for media and so many different aspects of our lives. I adore her. So when I had the chance to meet her and, of course, when you know that was said, I was just like, my jaw hit the ground and I was like, are you for real, you know, like that's, it's amazing. (laughs) And, um, in terms of how it changed me, I don't think it has like what I said to you before, I'm, I'm very a nose to the grindstone kind of human. Like I just kind of put my head down and do my work. That's kind of how I've always been. And sometimes I'm like, Oh, okay. What's that? Okay. Now we got to get, do more work. Um, I just love her and I appreciate her. And I feel like it's just such a blessing. That's kind of all I can say about it. You know, it's like, she's a blessing. Um, that whole experience has been a blessing. I've watched her my entire life. So to, to have a full circle moment where you're like, oh my gosh, I've seen you for decades and now I am here with you. And you just gave me a hug and told me that I tell really good stories. Like that's awesome. Yeah. Um, but I, I will continue to support her and, and all she does and everything. Not that she needs help from anybody, but I'm just a, a, a fan and an admirer like many of us are. 
Yeah, yeah. No, that, I think that's kind of when you are at the point where someone that you admire deeply says something like that about you, I think the reason you don't freak out is because all of the work that you've done to get to the point where they're actually saying that about you has you at a point where you're like, yeah, okay, yeah. I, I, I mean, yeah, yeah, it makes for sense me. to and you then it's on just, some level, yeah. Well, I don't know if I would agree with that. Cause I don't know, like, you know, I don't want to necessarily, I don't want to play any, you know, I, I just, I don't spend much time thinking in those ways, if that makes sense. Like who likes me and who doesn't like me. It's friggin' awesome. Don't get me wrong. I'm like, oh my God, so grateful. But I spent so much time not even kidding you going like, okay, like how can I better take care of my audience? Like, what am I creating right now? What's the next, you know, if I'm in, I have a program called B-School, we have like over 65,000 entrepreneurs now that we've helped start and grow their businesses. So when I'm in that mode, it's like, okay, what do I need to do for this group of humans who I'm working with to help them bring their dreams to life? Or like we have another program about writing. So then I get immersed in that one. It's called the copy cure, right? So I'm like, okay. And then my team, like we're in the midst of this COVID experience and I have tons of humans who I'm responsible for their livelihood and their ability to put food on the table, right? So I'm like, okay, being the best leader for them. So it's it's like this constant game for me of just being engaged and doing the work. So I literally don't spend that much time factually going like, well, who's liking me and who's not, you know, like my book agent will call me and be like, okay, so let's start talking about the next book. It's like, okay. So, uh, for better or for worse, that's kind of the, the kind of creator I am. I'm just like always in that creation mode. Yeah. Well, talk to me about, um, without giving up trade secrets, but like in general, how do you, how do you think about serving your audience and, and, and are there, you know, what are the systems in place that you are able to really figure out what your audience needs, their pain points and, and all of that? Yeah. Like, what, what do you, do you have a whole team of people that are out there doing that with you? And, and wh- how did you it's, get to where you are now with that? Yeah. So it's this combination for us and for me of really listening and reading. Like, for example, I'm very active on Instagram. So, um, there is a place where I'm not, and when I say I'm very active, that's actually a little bit of a misnomer. I'm not nearly as active as some people are on Instagram. They're on that thing all the damn time. That is the platform I am the most active on. So, you know, we're going to modulate that calibrated a little bit. Point being, I read comments. So I'm listening, I'm hearing, I'm an empath. I'm feeling through how people are responding to things. We have um, a practice in our company once a week on Fridays. It's called Letters from the Community. And so the largest department on my team is customer happiness. And so, you know, there's probably like at right now, because we have active programs going, there's probably like 18 to 20 of them. And so they're fielding all of the emails that come in, all the customer service emails, any of the fans of Marie TV or the Marie Forleo podcast, people feel like they know us and they trust us. And honestly, this is the truth. You probably get this with your podcast too. Sometimes in life, the folks that we're reaching there's no one else that they have to talk to. 
You know, and sometimes I'll have folks that are on the other side of the world where they're like me, like they are maybe a multi-passionate person. They don't fit in with their family unit or their friend unit, and they find our show somehow, and they find themselves in a difficult time, and they write into us, and they tell us about what's happening in their lives and their struggles, and we do our best to help them with any resources that we can. So in that way, in letters from the community each week, I am like dipping into the thoughts, the feelings, the wins, the fears, the frustrations of what's happening with our audience. And then simultaneously, things that are lighting me up, if there's books that I'm reading, if there's something I'm noticing that's happening in culture or something I'm noticing that's happening in my life where I'm like, oh gosh, this seems like it's a struggle. Like I need to learn more about this. Then I need to teach about this. Like then I need to create something about this because I'm probably not the only one who's struggling with this right now. So there isn't like some super scientific formula of like, this is how we do it, but it's, it's absolutely a combination of, of listening and of talking and of receiving what's happening from people and then merging that um, with my own passion for what I feel really called to speak into or create a solution around. Yeah. Yeah. That I love the idea of the, the letters from, from the community. And in fact, the woman who's my producer now, which is a recent thing, was a listener from West Perth, Australia, and emailed like a, a year and a half ago. And just in going back and forth, like it's something that came completely out of the blue only within the last month. And yes, but it, it was and it feels like good karma because I actually was just going, oh, I'm just trying to help this person who's in a really tiny market and can't get to where she's trying to go. And now all of a sudden she's completely helping me. And I was like, wow, that's kind of amazing. Have you had, are a lot of your uh, employees, did they start as, as like they bought into your philosophy and now they're working with you? Oh yeah. I mean, uh, my longest employee right now, she was a a coaching member of a program that I was offering. And I remember seeing her, it was a virtual program probably over a decade ago. And I watched how in forums at that time, again, this is like even pre social media. Um, I watched how she responded to other people and how she took the exercises of the coaching program and applied them, but then went a step beyond and were, and, and decided, you know what, I'm going to be supportive to X, Y, and Z. And I was like, pluck, who are you? What are you doing? But- Turns out that she was working in theater in New York City. And I had to like work really hard to convince her and her family that like, this was solid. I'm offering you a solid position. Like you don't have to worry. And then Uh, my creative director, actually, I remember this came through a Facebook message. I was doing a particular event in New York city. Um, she wrote to me, she pitched me hard. She's like, look, I cannot um, buy a ticket to this thing, but here are my skills. Cause I don't want a free ticket. I'd, I'd actually just love to do some things for you. If any of these things sound like they could be of value to you. And then I could come to this event. And she's been my creative, she's like a powerhouse. So, so many people that are full-time employees, a lot of them have shown up because they were um, customers in some form or had a connection to the brand in some way. And so there is that alignment of philosophy and DNA and energy. So they get how, and I say crazy in the best way, they totally get how out there I am and my creative spirit. And like, we're going to go to a lot of different places and it's all in a heart and it's all going to have energy and it's all okay. And so if they're aligned with that kind of party, they're like, this is the best place to work. Yeah, that that's exactly. I mean, that's the text exchange that just went on where I said, 
something like, I, I think you're as crazy as I am, because that's how I feel. It's like, a, and, and when you have someone that came to you after listening to you, you realize like, okay, I don't have to explain the, you know, I put it in quote, the brand. It's like you lived the brand, like just by yes. that. So, so that part is already done. We know we see eye to eye. And then it's like, what skill sets do you have? Which brings me to how were you like in the beginning, something that was a, has been a really tra- tough transition for me. Um, and I feel like I've bridged the gap a lot more now, but how were you early on with delegating and giving Horrible. up control. You were. Okay. Horrible. That I makes me feel worst. so much better. Okay. Oh my God. I was the worst. I was so insecure. It was such a, I remember just feeling so intimidated. Like how do I hire my first anyone? Right. And at the time, the new kind of term, and, and it's still new to some people now, but for us, it, for me, it's like 20 years old, virtual assistants. Right. Because I knew because I wanted to always run a virtual company. That was my dream. uh, Freedom is my highest value. So everything has to revolve around freedom. And I knew that I didn't have a physical office. So, of course, I would need a virtual assistant. I was like, I do not know where to find one. And I don't know how to be a boss. And I don't know how to delegate. And I don't know how to manage. And I don't know how to lead. And by the way, I was probably like uh, maybe like 24 at this time, 25, maybe something like that. And I was like, I'm probably going to be hiring a person that has like a decade on me in years. Like that's awkward. And I was horrible at it. I was horrible at it. I was so insecure. I didn't know how to give direction clearly. I didn't know how to speak up and say something wasn't working and here's how to give feedback to have an adjustment. Man, I was the worst. But I pushed through. And then eventually, after a lot of time and money and tears, I remember crying when I had to like fire my first virtual assistant because I was like, I'm horrible. I can't do this. Um, You know, I eventually made it through and then started to get better over time. Were you scared in the beginning? Because that was my thing. I was like, you're going to give, you, you're, you end up giving a lot of access to someone. And if it's a virtual situation, you don't physically yeah. know that. But were you scared? Was that something where you're like, I don't want to give up control because I don't want to get taken. I don't want to get, it was, was less that about ever? The, it was less about the getting taken. And it was more about the, I think I can do it better myself. Like not mm. wanting someone to mess it up. And one of the things that has always worked for me is this is a very simple exercise for anyone listening. If they find themselves in this position, they're like, oh, I know I need help because that's the only way I can grow. uh, But I don't know how to do this. You make two lists. The first list, and it could just be one piece of paper. You divide it down the middle, right? On the left-hand side are the things that you must do. These are the things that only you and you could do. It's your genius zone. It's the places where you know you must contribute. So for me at that time, it was working one-on-one with coaching clients. I was a coach. Of course I had to work one-on-one with coaching clients. It was also around the content creation because I'm a writer. So I need to write my own content. I also knew I wanted to hang on to the marketing because I'm going to be able to market and sell my services best, right? But then there was all this other stuff that goes on the right-hand column, stuff that other people could do, which was customer service, any of the administrative stuff, putting up blog posts, um, helping people with downloads, scheduling, calendaring. There's like just a gajillion more type uh, of administrative things that I do not need to be doing. And separating those two lists was the first step for me in going, okay, if I can find someone who can do 80 to 90% of this that I'm doing, here's my first step. And we still do that now with the company. It's like, okay, what are all the things that I'm doing with my time that I should not be doing anymore? Everyone on the team continues to do that because that's how you learn how to delegate and bring on more team members. What 
that totally makes sense. And I'm going through a version of that right now. What, what do you, um, how do, how do I put the question? Um, how have you been like, as a result of, you know, you have a lot of things on your plate, so you must be, it sounds like super disciplined in terms of boundaries. How have you negotiated that with like old friends, family, whatever, Uh, like, like how did you, how smooth was that ride into being like, sorry, can't do this with you right now. This is what I've got. Was that ever an issue or have you never had a problem being like, this is what I'm doing. I'm working right now. I have this much time. I'm out. Oh, do you mean like in terms of conversations, like just general conversations of, of yeah, yeah, conversations, texts, whatever it yeah, might be, but- <laughs> hanging out, like, you know. So this is probably one of the things for better or worse, right, is I like have no poker face. And my friends, all of my dear friends know I am like brutally honest and just very straightforward. So like if I'm ever included on a group text and it is the middle of the motherfucking day and I'm just like, I have meetings stacked up. I'm like, exit, take me out, like done. I will totally be back in this at, you know, 6.30 or 7, but I'm like, boop, like no explanation. No, I'm sorry. It's like, dude, I'm working. (laughs) And so I just have a level, I think, of direct communication with people where they know how much I love them. And I'll say, hey, have, I, I have other commitments right now. If you need me, I, let me know. Is this an emergency? Because I will absolutely carve out time in like an hour. You know, the soonest path that I could get in there. But if not, let me know that too, because then I'm going to call you on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I just try. And honestly, to be really frank, I put the thing off like my phone or ways to get in touch with me. I'm on do not disturb a lot like a lot, a lot, a lot. And I've even had friends say, you hadn't, you didn't reply to me for like two or three days. I was like, cause I was in focus mode. I'm like, here I am though now. So that when I can show up, I'm like super fully present. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, makes total sense. Um, just the discipline of having to get it done and then be there when you need to be there. Um, totally. What are the, talk to me a little bit about Marie TV, how that kind of works in with the rest of the company. I, I feel like you have so many things going, but they're all li- they're all aligned in yes. a way that they're all just like a, another side of this diamond, this multifaceted diamond. Where does that weigh into it? And, and is that one of your favorite things that you're doing? Or are there certain things that are more like you like doing one aspect yeah. better than the other? What? Well, I'll tell you. So Marie TV actually was born out of the fact that I got a puppy. So I had been creating consistent content weekly for about a decade. And then I got the most adorable little puppy, toy Australian shepherd named Kuma. And all of a sudden, all my time went out the window. So this was over 10 years ago, right? And I used to love, because I did fitness videos, I knew how to look into a camera and talk. And one of the things I would do on my blog at that time was answer people's questions or just talk about a topic I was really uh, passionate about. So when I got the puppy, I was like, oh my gosh, it takes me so much 
much less time to speak into a camera than it does to write a blog post. So I would totally just turn on my webcam and I would either answer a question or talk about something. And that's how Marie TV got started. But once I started doing it, I was really enjoying it. And then I would watch back some episodes and be like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that I forgot to mention this quote because I was just speaking off the cuff. Or I was like, oh, there's three other points that I would have made if I would have sat down and thought a little more intently about how I wanted to answer this question. That transformed into me starting to script my episodes, which transformed into me going like, oh, if I'm going to mention this, I always get like a song reference in my head. I should go get a wig and do like a little Rick Astley, never going to give you up. You know, like all this stuff started coming in. So it kind of evolved. So that's how the show came to be. And I've always really enjoyed it. And of course I love talking and interviewing people, but then COVID hit. And the show that we normally produce and the way that we normally produce it is just not possible. So now we are actually putting more emphasis on the Marie Forleo podcast. And I'm having even more fun because I'm getting to write and create these little audio skits. Like I just did an episode last week where I was talking about how um, if you're feeling really bad during this time and you're not feeling like yourself and a little lethargic, uh, you might be watching too much news and talked about negativity bias and some brain science. But I also built in a little number with Millie Vanilli, blame it on the news. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) right? So we had that in. So now, because we can't shoot our show in the way we normally do, the Marie Forleo podcast is taking on a new kind of life. And I enjoy that. And I think your description of it all being like the facets of a diamond, because we don't know when we'll ever be able to shoot again in the way that we used to. So I love this time because it's forcing so much new creativity and so much new experimentation for us as a company. Yeah. Yeah. You're making me think of, uh, I just did this other panel today and we were talking about, uh, I brought up Simon Sinek, start with why. And I, Mm -hmm. and I, you're making me think of it. That's how I think of it. I'm like, there's a why underneath all of the stuff I'm doing from acting to writing, to the podcast, to everything. And that allows for you to pivot without giving up the philosophy, which is really the, the, the meat of it is the why. And so it sounds yes. like you're just like, sure, I'll do it in my kitchen or I'll do it in, in the streets of wherever, or I'll do it in a studio or, um, so, so, uh, where, where do you think you're headed right now? I mean, has, it sounds like you're pivoting nicely. I mean, you were built for this. You had a virtual company. This is, this is like, I, I would imagine it's not, all that different in, aside from the external knowing Correct. what's going on. It's, it's not all that different for you. Has this, um, has this given you more of a need for, to get your message out? Do, do you, is there anything that has come to you as of late because of the pause that we're in that is, is, is new and inspiring? Oh Yeah. Oh man, I feel like I said this, uh, COVID and coronavirus has released my creative Kraken. Like it's like, you know, uh, release the Kraken. Like it (laughs) happened and I didn't even plan for this to happen. Right. So we do something called self-care Saturdays on Instagram just going on Instagram live. Sometimes I'll bring friends. Sometimes I'll do it by myself. We did story time. Like it was Mr. Rogers neighborhood. We've, um, you know, I used to teach fitness classes. So I've taught people workouts, had worked out with me. We've done all kinds of different self-care tools and it's 
awesome. And that just came out of me wanting to support our audience during this extraordinary time with more of an opportunity to stay connected and to learn even more tools to take really good care of ourselves because that actually makes a difference right now, right? It's like, it is an act of public service to take good mental, emotional, and physical care of ourselves. So we stay the hell out of the hospital system and give our frontline workers a friggin' break. So that's come out of it. Um, an ability to lead my team in a new way and to help them understand that their incomes are safe and they're safe here and that we have even more of an opportunity to serve on a deeper level based on what we do. Because, you know, what we teach people in terms of how to thrive with an online business that's aligned with who you are and what you love and how to not only make money, but make a difference. It's like, we were kind of born for this time. So we have even more of an opportunity to help people make a difference through our content, our free content, our paid content. So I think for me, I'm learning how much more I even have to give that I didn't realize. Like I thought I was doing a good job before, but now I'm like, oh shit, I can turn this up to a hundred because people really need it. Um, so, so that's been really exciting. And I just feel like one of the other blessings of this time for me personally, there's so much hardship, right? But we're just talking about in the creative realm right now. Uh, is just an even further shedding of any type of perfectionism, of any type of needing to get things like, oh, it really needs to be all buttoned up before we release it to the public. It's like, screw that shit. No, like all the stuff, a lot of stuff that I'm doing, and I'm so blessed to have an incredible team who's so supportive, but like my little self-care Saturdays, there's a lot of stuff I'm doing they don't even know I'm doing. And that's awesome. That's exactly how it should be. Like super lo-fi, super off the cuff, super let's just make this happen. And that's returning me to a level of grittiness of where I started everything. And it's incredibly energizing. I totally, totally agree. That's, that's been my observation. And again, you say it with that qualification that, you know, there are people going through hell right now. So it's, oh, you know, I, I feel almost guilty saying it, but that's what I feel like. Like the walls have come down and the stuff that was hanging me and everybody else up before now is everybody's like, I know, I'm just doing what I got to do. And, and I yeah. do think creatively it's been, you know, it, it, it has been, it's opened me up. I think with this podcast, I told you about some hangups earlier. It's like, those are all the bandaid is ripped off. I don't care. I'm yep. just like, I want to do this. I want to serve people. That's what I'm going to do. Um, I would love to keep you for four more hours, but I know I'm looking at the clock. So I got a couple of little questions unless you got to go right this second. No, I don't. But I do want to say something. I want to say something just to tag off and then we'll go to your little questions, you know, on the point about how much suffering there is right now, because there's tremendous suffering and there are the, the food lines for people that are food insecure that cannot put food on the table. You know, the over 20 million people that are applying for unemployment right now because their paychecks just vanish, like so much pain. So here's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping for some silver linings. I'm hoping for some growth lessons. Like here's my greatest hope that out of this time, if it is possible, that we actually don't go back to what we had before, that we move forward and that we build a stronger, better future, like a more equitable future. All the inequities coming to light that they've always been there, right? And they've always caused so much pain. And now there's a highlight on them. And that's it's painful and can we extract any good from it? It's like looking at the environment, the fact that the earth is breathing and we know that this is temporary because we're all not moving and you know things aren't being made. And again, it's complex, 
but it proves that when we all get on the same page about something, we can make change really fast. So how can we use all of this hardship and all of this suffering and all of this pain to build a better future for, in terms of society. Like that's something I'm really excited about, excited about. I do not have the answers, but I'm holding, holding onto that hope with dear life. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, that's the, the tagline of this podcast is failure is opportunity. I mean, that's the yeah. whole, and, and I, I believe that on a personal level, I think we're seeing it now on, on a global level. It doesn't mean that when we go through these failures, or in this case, this virus, this breakdown of some sort, that it's not extremely painful. But yes, usually, if we look at it the right way, there's some pivot that comes out of it, some kind of reframe that makes it makes us look back and go, thank God that that happened in some way because it, it led us to this other place. Yeah. But we, I feel like we as a society collectively and even individually, we have to hold that frame in mind because it doesn't happen automatically, right? It's like, yeah. it's really easy for us to not learn the lessons and just go back to the way shit was. We can't do that. So yeah. now onto your questions. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I, I'm not that beholden to the questions. I'm, okay. I'm just thinking, yeah, I mean, I, I will ask them, but I'm not like, I'm not like, I've got to get these questions. You know, I must get the questions. Yeah, no, no, I don't really care all that much. The, the, um, the I'm, I'm just thinking, but, but also to your point before about you having more of a need for you, it's kind of like, that's what I felt as an actor. And, and Josh and I talked about this, uh, which was your, we are trained and built and have had to kind of react to not knowing what's next for decades now I've been doing this. And, and so is he. And, and so you, we know from experience that when it seems like there's nothing around the corner, there actually is something around the corner and, yes. and to keep that in mind and to keep that mindset. Um, so here, here are the questions that now they're going to be so uh, anticlimactic. Uh, just <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be like, wait, those are the three questions. Um, so the word no means what to you? How would you define it? Uh, the word no for me means um, next. Like I kind of like the, the thing that comes up is like, it's not no forever. I'm like, okay, next. Like what's my next frame? What's my next opportunity? What's my next idea around it? You know, if it was something that I really want, obviously I'm not going to be aggressive towards another human being, but if someone gave me a no, I'd be like, okay, what's next? What's yeah. next? What do I need to do next? Yeah. The other one, the next one, you kind of have a book title that, that is this, but what is your mantra when everything falls apart? I think. Yes. Everything is figure outable. I will tell you some people, you know, when I was going on tour, were like, oh, do you have everything figured out? I'm like, oh, hell no. I use that every single day. I do use it in my relationship with Josh. I use it in the company. I use it for myself. That's why I'm writing about it because it works. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then the last question is, um, if you could give your younger self advice, yeah. um, what age would you intervene and what would the advice be? The age I would intervene would probably be, hmm, I think it might be around like the t 12 is the year that came to my mind. And um, I think the advice would be to stop trying to fit in. You don't fit in. You're never going to fit in and celebrate that fact. That's awesome. I want, you know, I want my kids to hear that. That's, that's really great. Um, 
Listen, thank you. We're, we're coming in, I think, right on time here. Thank you so much for sitting down with me. Uh, I'm, I'm so appreciative. I think you're awesome. I think Josh is awesome. I'm, I'm looking forward to actually hanging with you guys in a, in a real setting at some point. But this was, <laughs> this was life, a close IRL. second. In real thank life. Thank you yeah. so much for having me on. Thanks for doing the work that you do. And I really appreciate the time today. It was great. Likewise. Thank you, Marie. What we do here is go back, 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 back. Okay, top three takeaways. Very hard to do with someone like Marie. There are like 300, but here we go. One, get your attention off of yourself and place it on others. I stopped as much as humanly possible, not perfect at this, but worrying about who I was and how I was showing up in the world and just wanted to be of service. I mentioned to Marie that this is the root of bad acting, being too concerned with ourselves and not listening to our scene partner. And I also think it's a killer of our own instinct and chokes out our ability to serve others and make an impact because we're way too worried about what others think of us. Number two, serve, serve, serve. Marie talked about her company's weekly Friday practice where they pay very close attention to the needs of their community. In that way, in letters from the community each week, I am like dipping into the thoughts, the feelings, the wins, the fears, the frustrations of what's happening with our audience. And then simultaneously, things that are lighting me up, if there's books that I'm reading, if there's something I'm noticing that's happening in culture or something I'm noticing that's happening in my life where I'm like, oh gosh, this seems like it's a struggle. Like I need to learn more about this. Then I need to teach about this. Like then I need to create something about this because I'm probably not the only one. Literally every entrepreneur I've sat down with talks about this, so please heed it in your own life. If you solve people's problems or relieve their pain, you'll be taken care of eventually. Not quite that simple. Obviously, it takes a ton of logistical work and hustle because there's always competition. But the point is, behind it all, what's your motive? Don't think about making money just for its own sake. Think about helping people and the money will follow. Number three... You look at Marie now and she's beautiful and successful and compassionate, all of these great qualities. So it's refreshing to hear what her advice to her 12-year-old self was. I think the advice would be to stop trying to fit in. You don't fit in. You're never going to fit in and celebrate that fact. Such a great message. I've got a 12-year-old boy, nine-year-old girl. My wife and I are always saying to them, don't try to be like everyone else. It's way overrated. Be yourself, whatever that may be. Okay, that is our episode. Marie Forleo, can't thank you enough. I know how busy you are. So the fact that you took the time to sit down with us is very much appreciated. All of you who are listening, who support this show, you heard Marie say she wants to know what her community is worried about and struggling with. So do we. Here at 10,000 Knows, when we ask you to rate, review, and share this podcast, it's not because we want it to be big for big sake. It's because we get so many emails and DMs about how these conversations are really making a difference in people's lives, and we just want to serve more people. So tell us what's going on right into the show. Tell us which guests spoke to you, what types of guests you'd like to see back on the show. Where can we improve? Maybe you've got an idea for a Monday Morsel solo riff. Let us know. We're looking to provide relief and entertainment, education, inspiration. Basically, we don't want you out there alone feeling like you're dying on the vine and no one can see you or hear you. We're here and this community is here. So lean on it. Use us. We're happy to help. 
As always, check out the links in the show notes. If you want to know more information about Marie Forleo, share the show, rate, review it, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen so you don't miss any episodes. If you want more information, announcements, and promo videos of who's next, that kind of thing, visit us at 10,000nose.com. Pretty easy to contact us from there. Subscribe to the weekly newsletter. Follow us on Instagram. The handle is at 10,000nose. The Twitter handle is also at 10,000nose. You can email us at info at 10,000nose.com. And you can also follow me personally if you want. I'm most active on Instagram at Matty Dell. Next Friday, we've got a really, 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 really interesting dude, John Porcelli, joining us. Huge in the punk music scene, and he is now a Hare Krishna yoga instructor, has an apparel line, fascinating guy. Join us for that next Friday, but don't forget to tune in for my brief little weekly musings to kick off the week with Monday Morsels. We'll see you soon. Yeah.